Welcome to Rama for Today. Special nurse every eight hours, and this nurse happened to awake me as she moved around the bed, and when I first looked, I thought, sure, Brother Haynes is dead. And I said uh, to the nurse, is he dead? She said, I thought he was. But she said, he isn't quite yet, but he will. She said, I know I'm not supposed to talk to you this way, but she said, he'll never, he'll never make it. He'll never make it to seven o'clock in the morning when I go off. He'll die. When I got up, went out into the hall, a corridor, at about two o'clock in the morning in that hospital, and I did just exactly what I suggest that you do. I did just exactly what God said to He said, put me in room. Welcome to Rama for Today. Kenneth E. Hagan continues his teaching on the Prayer Series, Volume 6. Find out more next on Rama for Today Radio. Also, later in today's program, I'll tell you about this month's special radio offer. Right now, let's join Kenneth E. Hagan for today's message. Beloved, now are we the sons of God in the New Testament. This has reference to us. Now notice he said, concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. Now that's in perfect harmony with the New Testament. For instance, John's Gospel, 15th chapter, 7th verse, where Jesus said, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatsoever ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Or the Greek word translated to ask here, according to Strong or Young's Concordance, means demand. Demand whatsoever you will, and it shall be done unto you, he said. Now you do not command in tones of arrogance, but as a partner, worker together with him. You lay the case before him. You call his attention to his part in the drama of life. And then here's a scripture that you should continually use in prayer. And that's Isaiah, the 55th chapter, the 11th verse. Now, before we read the 11th verse, let us read carefully the 9th and 10th verses to get the entire connection. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, and give a seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. This is the 11th verse now, I want you to notice. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Now, this is the very backbone of the prayer life. No word that is gone forth from God can return unto him void. In Jeremiah, the first chapter, the 12th verse, the King James translation says, I will hasten, God said, I will hasten my word to perform it. In the marginal reading of the King James translation, it reads, I watch over my word to perform it. He will make his word good. If you dare stand by it, the greatest answers to prayers that I've ever received is when I brought God's word to him and reminded him, in other words, just simply took these steps right here. I reminded him of his word. I reminded him of what he said. Praise God. And thank God he keeps his word. I brought out the fact before, and this is the procedure I followed exactly. The last church I pastored my Sunday school superintendent fell off the engine. He was a pumper in East Texas oil field. He fell off the engine house down at the machinery. And uh, someone drove up behind me in town and my car and stopped me and said, did you know that Brother Haynes is dead? And I said, no, he isn't dead. 
That's a mistake. I was just out there on the lease about 15 minutes ago talking to him. Well, he said that he's dead. After you left, he climbed up on the engine house and fell down to the machinery and he's dead. Well, I uh, made my way as hurried as I could to that lease. And when I got there, it seemed to me that there must be three or 400 people around. And so I made my way up to the uh, engine house or close by. And there he lay on the ground, Dr. Garrett was there, his wife, and so I, and the wife of Brother Haynes, Sister Haynes, and so I walked up and, and knelt down by the side of him, and Dr. Garrett said to me, he said, uh, Reverend Hagin, he said, I, I thought he was dead, and that's where the report got out, because he'd said that, but he said he isn't quite dead yet, but he's dying, he'll never live, he'll never gain consciousness, we can't move him, he'll, he'll die, he'll not here. And he said, I wish you'd take Mrs. Haynes aside and prepare her, because her heart's in a bad condition, and he said she could die in a minute herself, both of them could go. Well, I took Sister Haynes by the arm to lead her to one side. Dr. Garrett had whispered this to me. And uh, Sister Haynes said, Brother Hagin said, I know without you telling me before I could ever say a word to her. I just had her by the arm leading her to one side. Said, I know Dr. Garrett doesn't think Daddy will live, does he? I said, no. Well, she looked up and smiled through her tears and said, isn't it wonderful that you and I have inside information? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I said, it surely is. It surely is. Praise the Lord. Well, we prayed. He kept on living. The ambulance had been waiting, I think, about an hour and a half. They was afraid to move him. Finally, Dr. Garrett said, well, uh, let's, let, let's try. I, I didn't think he'd live this wrong. He surprised me. Maybe we could get him to the hospital. And he's out in the field. It takes some, uh, they're going to take him into Tyler, some 30 miles away. And so they said, uh, he said, uh, he'll never make it. I know, just know he won't. Well, he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I said, well, doctor, I suggest you try it. I'll go along with it. And, uh, and so I rode in the ambulance with him. And uh, Dr. Garrett said, well, I'll follow along. And out, uh, out here so far, well, then I'll give him another shot. And maybe you can get there. And so, of course, all companies working for him. When he got to Tyler, they had three specialists waiting on him. And uh, they put him immediately under an oxygen tent. And to make a long story short, we were there a couple of days. And we faced the third night. Sister Haynes had been up day and night. I stayed each night. And I said to one of the doctors as he came around in the early evening to make his round, I said, what about it? And I introduced myself, told him I was his pastor, and so on. He said to me, Reverend, I'll tell you the truth about it. We don't even know the extent of his injuries. Because we can't move him. If we move him, we'll kill him. How he's lived this long, we don't know. We do know his left lung is deflated. But we don't know how much he may be hemorrhaging inside or may be injured inwardly. Now, uh, he said, uh, he's still in shock, and we can't bring him out. We've given him all the blood plasma. We've given him every shot that we can give him. We've done all we can do for him. In fact, he said, Reverend, I'll tell you the truth about it. We don't know how in the world he's held on this long. And I'll tell you now, he's going. He's slipping now, and said he's going, and he's going fast. He'll never make it. He's even chance. Well, I saw that Sister Haynes' faith was slipping because, you know, when you sit there with a person over a period of hours and grow tired and weary physically, it's easy to uh, begin to affect your spirit and your faith. So I knew I had to get her out. I did get her out. I held on to the Lord, but I'd been, this is the third night I've been up and with, with very little sleep in the daytime. And so about two o'clock in the morning, I began to fall off sleep. In fact, I did fall off sleep. Special nurse every eight hours, and this nurse happened to awake me as she moved around the bed. And when I first looked, I thought, sure, Brother Haynes is dead. And I said uh, to the nurse, is he dead? She said, I thought he was. But she said, he isn't quite yet, but he will. 
She said, I know I'm not supposed to talk to you this way, but she said, he'll never, he'll never make it. He'll never make it at 7 o'clock in the morning when I go off. He'll die. Well, I got up and went out into the hall, our corridor, at about 2 o'clock in the morning in that hospital, and I did just exactly what I suggest that you do. I did just exactly what God said to do. He said, put me in remembrance. He said, let us plead together. He said, set forth thy cause that thou mayest be justified. And so I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm not going to let him die. I said, uh, first of all, he's only 49 years old. A man 49 years old is not old enough to die. I reminded him, you said in your word and promised us at least 70 or 80 years. Secondly, I said, he's my Sunday school superintendent. Now, I've pastored other churches, and I had a Sunday school superintendent, that is in name at least, everywhere I pastored, but they were always just a figurehead. I did all the work about all they did was stand up there on Sunday morning. But I said, this man, you never have to bother about him. He does his work. In fact, he usually endeavors to visit every absentee from the whole Sunday school himself every week, besides each teacher doing so. And that was a colossal job, but he did most of it. I mean, he would spend hours visiting in regard to the Sunday school. I said, he's the only Sunday school superintendent of Rita I've ever had. The only one of all the churches I've had. He's the only one. Uh, and I said, I need him. There's not another man like-minded in our church or Sunday school. And if I need him, you need him. If I need him, you need him. And that's true. Because I said, that this isn't my church, it's your church. I'm the under-shepherd, but you're the great shepherd. And what I need, you need. And I need him. Second, I said, he's my deacon. He's a deacon in my church. And I said, he always stands right with me, solidly, and all the other men will follow him. I need him. If I need him, you need him. Third, I said, he has an influence for good in my town, my city. I've talked to the businessmen, practically every one of them in the city. They have more confidence in him than all the rest of the men put together. If I need him in our church, in our town, he has more influence for good than all the rest of the men and, and businessmen in our city. I have more confidence in him than they do all the rest of the men in my church put together. I knew that. I knew that. I need him. Fifth, I said he gives 20% of his income into the church. Never less than 20%, most of the time 25% of his income into the church. And uh, if, if we take that out, we're almost bankrupt. Because we're just getting by as it is. Oh, I know you can meet any need, but your ways of meeting need is through men. Are you hearing me? God's not going to rain money down from heaven. He's not a counterfeiter. He's not going to start counterfeiting money and just start it raining down from heaven. Did you hear me? God's way of doing things is through men. You know, Jesus said, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give unto your bosom. Is that what he said? Shall men give. And so I said, I need him. If I need him, you need him. We need him. If we need him, you need him. This isn't my church. We are the body of Christ. You're the head. What the body needs, the head needs. Are you hearing me? Amen. You know, after all, Paul used that illustration of the human body. Christ is the head. We are the body. Now, if my head needs this right hand, the rest of my body needs this right hand. If my head needs that thumb then all the rest of the body needs that thumb. And if my body needs that thumb, then my head needs that thumb. And so I said, Lord, we need him. My church needs him. And what we need, you need. And so I'm not going to let him die. Welcome to Rama for Today with Kenneth and Lynette Hagan. You can find out more from our online bookstore, 
with great materials from Kenneth e. Hagen and Pastor Hagen and the rest of the Hagen family. I'd like to tell you about this month's special radio offer. The first is Kenneth E. Hagen's book entitled Understanding How to Fight the Good Fight of Faith, a Rama classic. Next is Kenneth Hagen's DVD entitled The Anointing Breaks the Chains. And finally, Kenneth E. Hagen's slimline book Right and Wrong Thinking. All three resources are for the special price of 23.90. That's 7.95 off the retail price. Call toll-free 1-888-FAITH-99. Again, call toll-free 1-888-FAITH-99. You can also order online at rhema.org. That's R-H-E-M-A dot O-R-G. Rhema.org. Or if you prefer to write to Kenneth Hagen Ministries, our address is P.O. Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150. We always love to hear from our listeners, so write in or email us today and become a part of Rama for Today. Now, let's join Kenneth and Lynette Hagen. We have a lot of activities going on all around. We have Living Faith Crusades. And That's we, right. In fact, we've, we've already started our our Living Faith Crusades. We did the, for the year. We did the first one back in, in September. That's right. And we've got one coming up October the 21st through the 23rd. <laughs> the, Madison, it. Alabama, Cornerstone Word of Life Church. That's Pastors Mark and Rhonda Garver. They... Uh, actually uh, Ramagrads. Oh yeah. They're so Rama we're going to be there and then we're going on to Mobile, Alabama. For 24th, 25th and 26th, 26th at, Harvest at Harvest Church, Church with Kevin and An- Andrea uh, Cooley. Cooley. That's right. All right. So, we, hey, go to Rama.org for details. Tomorrow, more from Kenneth E. Hagen on the Prayer Series, Volume 6. If you'd like, you can visit our online bookstore at Rama.org for the first five volumes of Kenneth E. Hagen's prayer series. Thanks for listening to Rama for Today with Kenneth and Lynette Hagen.